we have to start to look at our trauma. We have to start to look at our history. We have to start to look at lies we believed about ourselves and how we got into these spaces where the only way we know how to cope with life's hurt is to go to a substance Mm. or to go to control sometimes. And I, I don't mean that to be negative about anyone, but I'm like, the story always makes sense. What you do in your struggle makes sense, and that's what we want to do. We want to bring coherence and context to your story and to your struggle. I'm Angela. And I'm Chad, and we discuss issues that couples face in everyday life. Then we set you up to have a conversation with your partner that's designed to bring you closer together. This is the Connecting Couples podcast with the real Emhoffs. Real conversations for a real connection. Welcome back to our series on addiction. This is probably my favorite section or part of this series because we're going to get to really talk about how we take action, the moves that we get to make, and how we kind of start to make change in our everyday life. We're not at this point going to talk about what we're not doing. We're talking about what we are doing. And I think it's critical. I think it's, it's literally the foundation upon which recovery and maintenance are built. If we don't get this part right, we don't get recovery. If we're bouncing off our last episode, the six steps that are in the process, then we have in the first four episodes been in our pre-contemplation and contemplation stages. And now we're preparing and we're actually taking action. And so to get even to this point, we had to discuss definitions. We had to make sure that we were on the same page with what we were even talking about, that there was Mm -hmm. an understanding of use, abuse, dependence on all of the different layers how come a person can't just quit a thing that it's ingrained that there are systems at play we want to just remind you that we're really still trying to hold both sides of this so it's not only that we're speaking to the person who is the addict uh, the person who has the dependency or overuses or abuses something but we're also talking to the person who is the partner of And that we're talking to both means we've got to be able to respect and hold both sides and recognize that they play off each other. Just like a pursue withdraw cycle, we are in a process where something happens within this relationship that either perpetuates or helps and encourages a shift in behavior. I love it, man. And you're saying we play off each other. And so thinking about this and and really what you're saying, I'm going, if if I don't have, if I'm the addicted partner and you're the spouse of the addicted partner, if I don't internally have motivation as somebody who struggles with a dependence on a chemical or substance or even behavior, if I don't have a real clear motivation internally of why I want to change, change is really, really hard. So we're, we're jumping into this and saying, this is important. This is the action. But man, I've got to say, if you don't know what your motivation is internally for yourself, not not for your spouse, yeah. Angela can't hold motivation for my change. I do have a lot of energy <laughs> as a pursuer and I can even, yeah. you know, be motivated for you to change. You sure do. But the change isn't going to happen unless the individual is motivated. To I, have, I have to have motivation. So we're assuming that right now. Yeah. And the action steps we're going to talk through right here are based on someone who wants to do something different, who wants to change the way that they're living. And really the first one is such a practical step. We're gonna focus on that in this episode, but it is, it's just setting up boundaries, being able to say, I'm gonna have safeguards in my life 
And this again, first of five points, I'm gonna have safeguards in my life that don't let me get to the thing I wanna use or I have yeah. used in the past, right? I'm gonna be able to go, I don't go home that way if it's a liquor store on the way home. I'm not going to stop at my friend's house if that's where I always used. I'm not going to be in that place alone if that's yeah. if at work I sit in my office and look at computers by myself all this the time. This is about minimizing or reducing exposure to the thing that aids the problem. I can't tell yeah. you how many times we're helping somebody in recovery. They first come in and within a week or two, you get a text from them that says, this is my new phone number. Because so many times when somebody is starting to shift or get sober, they have to change who has access to them or yep. who they have access to. Yep. And so I see it all the time. And actually, I'll see it with somebody who is really trying to recover. It happens a few times. For sure. Yeah. That's such a good safeguard. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. Number two, self-awareness. Yeah. If you are not able to kind of, this sounds silly it sounds hippie a little bit but i'm like i have to be able to like tune into myself man but i have to be able to like check in with me yeah like if i don't know how i'm doing then i go through my day kind of completely numbed out and just focused on the work at hand and the thing in front of me and then how could i not get to the end of my day and be depleted exhausted and want to go to my favorite vice yeah that's literally i feel like people talk about it but we're going to talk about how do you tune into yourself how do you take time and space to know your own experience. This is right in line with what we have done from the beginning of Connecting Couples. We want people to first have an awareness of their internal process and then be able to share it with their partner. And so this specific one isn't gonna be a whole lot of new information on what it looks like to tune into yourself, but it is gonna be now within the context of addiction or shifting uh, behavior that is unhealthy for your relationship. I have to tell you, I think this is probably one of the, I mean, it's clearly top five, but but it, it's probably one of my top two out of this whole thing because I often see people who struggle with dependence on a substance. They just literally don't know have how to do it. Have zero awareness. In. They don't know how yeah. to do it at all. And so I'll keep moving though because we are going to cover that in our next episode. But self-care, mm. this is a funny statement, right? Like self-care, what does that even mean? Uh, but we really have to start to figure out what do we need in our life? What do our bodies respond well yeah. to how do we take care of ourselves? you know i think sometimes people say you need to start some healthy habits and they're like you should read a book or you should ride a bike or you should and if you don't like books or bikes you should not do that that is not <laughs> that's not the thing that's going to help you if get you healthy. have terrible allergies don't go yeah. outside that's not the yeah. thing and so i think these can be very specific and tailored to you so we're going to talk about a lot of those things and, and kind of how do I figure out what I like? Because so many not, of us don't know. It's not yeah. just getting rid of what's bad for you, but it is now incorporating what is healthy and what is good for you. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. I want to well. say amen to that statement, yeah. but I won't. I'll keep moving. <laughs> Relationships. Oh my goodness. We're on the Connecting Couples podcast right now. And then Chad's going to tell me I need to start thinking about my relationship. I have, Chad. But what I mean, yeah. what I really mean is... Do I have relationships around me that understand my struggle, that understand my plight, that I can yeah. be honest and vulnerable with and say, this is hurting. I'm not doing okay today. I'm afraid I'm going to go to the wrong thing or the wrong yeah. person and I need help. That When I say relationship, I think, I think we throw around relationship in a broad sense, but I'm like, we're going to spend a little bit more time about like, what kind of community, what kind of tribe do I need around me? A lot of times we've spent a lot of time with people at the bar yeah. or people in our addiction or even on social media platforms. And that's where I got fed my relational needs. 
And so for me, if you're going to start to do recovery well, you have to find a way to go engage with healthy community. We're not only talking about the person who specifically is trying to change their behavior as the individual. If you are the partner of someone who is trying to get sober or stop an addictive behavior, you also need supportive community. It's not just you're now the supportive you know person for your partner but very much yeah. why al-anon was created you need to learn how to set boundaries how to not enable how to confront things that need to be confronted how to create space if something happens that's unhealthy or dangerous for you there are a lot of things that on your side of it need community support or need a safe and significant other to be able to talk to. And so it's both and. Yeah. Both of you as individuals in the relationship need a good, healthy relationship and in community. And you as a married couple or a connected couple need community and relationship. I keep wanting to say amen, but I'm yeah. not doing it. Amen to all Let's these. Let's go. Uh, the last one, the last one, number five in our list of actions that need to be incorporated if you have the motivation to change. The last one really is this idea of my story. I've got to find a way to incorporate how I got here and, and not just feel all the shame and blame mm -hmm. heaped upon myself if I'm the addicted partner or, or spouse of yeah. addicted partner. How did I get back in the same thing my parent, mother, friend did or yeah. whatever. I said I was never going to be here. I can see both sides of that. But I'm like, we have to start to look at our trauma. We have to start to look at our history. We have to start to look at lies we believed about ourselves and how we got into these yeah. spaces where the only way we know how to cope with life's hurt is to go to a substance mm. or to go to control sometimes. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that to be negative about anyone, but I'm like, the story always makes sense. What you do in your struggle makes sense, and that's what we want to do. We want to bring coherence and context to your story and to your struggle. As this series continues, we hope that we're going to start helping you put that narrative together that you can, I want to say, try on and then own. I mean, part of the process to be able to tell your story and not have all the shame included is to really understand not only your responsibility in the process, but but where some of the faults happen along the way. And to be able to tell an honest and authentic, a vulnerable story is part of being in a place where I'm healthier and I understand who I am. And I think that's what Chad and I wanna kind of help you do. So those are the five, kind of a rundown of the five things that, that we're gonna have in-depth more discussion over to really help a person shift their behavior or start to live a healthier life over the next five episodes. But starting in this first one, we're really going to talk about number one, which we call safeguards. Yeah. And, and again, we said some of this, but I'll be a little redundant. We're just saying, can I remove the accidental slip up? Yeah. That's, that's really what I'm thinking about. Or if I have a craving for something, can I keep it two steps away? I want to go specifics for just a second yeah, on some of yeah. the things we've already mentioned. So coming into this addiction series, we have really been tightening the reins on our food issues. And so when we started having a conversation about what it looked like to shift, we incorporated that piece about relationship, some people to kind of help us hold us accountable. And they started encouraging us to do this very thing, remove exposure. We had to ask ourselves, what were the, I'm going to say, big 
problems in what we were eating. And I kind of joked because I love cookie dough. And I told Chad, I'm like, it was the cookie dough, wasn't it? He <laughs> actually this morning was like, it wasn't. It was the fact that you make dinner rolls with every single meal. I'm like, man, I love bread. I, For real though, how do you get protein or guacamole in your mouth yeah. without a carbohydrate. If, if anybody you knows, you got it. Yeah. Message us the delivery <laughs> system of guacamole that isn't a carbohydrate. We would love to hear your well, answers. Say a spoon. I'm like, that just mm. doesn't seem right. So for us first, if we're talking about this removing exposure, we had to kind of get the carbs and the sugars out of our house yeah. so that we weren't easily, ex they weren't easily accessible to us. Okay. So I'm thinking about some of the other things. If I'm, you know, somebody who on the way home stops by and picks up my alcohol, Chad tells this story all the time. You might have to find a new route home if it is right beside a liquor store. And that is a temptation for you to swing by and pick up. We have people who we help walk through putting safeguards on their computers so that they don't have access to look at pornography. I have had people who get rid of internet at their house yeah. where they only have to like go to the library or go to a public setting to use their laptops or their computers so that they don't have access. And so if you're thinking, Chad and I have had this conversation before, our iPhones, if, if there's something you're thinking about I want to use this less, or this is excessive, or possibly abusive. Social or, media, whatever the thing is. We yeah. talked about getting alarm clocks so that we wouldn't use our smartphones to yeah. wake up in the morning. That way, we could get our, you know, phones out of the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. And that's a conversation that we had. This is that safeguard conversation. It's like, how do we reduce exposure to the very thing that's causing the problem? Angela. If I'm listening to this, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the devil's advocate for a second. Okay. If I'm listening to this, I'm like that won't solve anything. I can get around every safeguard. True. And True. so, for me, my response to that is, yeah, you can. And we're not saying. I literally want you to think about all five of these episodes like interlocking, scaffolding. You can't do one without the rest being in place. We're only not talking well. about you may be able to do one, but it won't solve it. And yeah, I will yeah. I will say. You know, people who really want the fix or want the vice yeah. are really resourceful. I mean, the amount Heck of yeah. energy and effort to get the thing that I want or that I think is going to satisfy me. So what this is doing is making it harder. It's adding extra steps. I was just thinking about it. I had a, I had a friend and he like had like these safeguards on his computer and like he was like, but you can always get around those. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, people who want to get to their vice... Yeah. We'll find a way. It's what you're saying. It's like, I'm going to, I could have a computer engineering degree by now yeah. because I figured out how to recode the pr software. I'm like, people will find ways if they want to get to it. We know, I guarantee you, this is not the fix. This is not the fix. Yeah. This is only one component of the fix. But if I don't have some safeguard, if I don't have one or two steps in the way of getting to my vice, there's a chance I'm just going to pick it up by accident. I was have, I was on a fast. I was trying like not to eat for three days one time. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. And I got to like day two and a half without eating. And I went into, I want to say it was like a office somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but they had mints sitting out. And I'm like, okay. oh, I picked up a mint. And I unwrap it and I start eating and I'm like, this is delicious. And I'm like, <laughs> what kind of mint is this? I asked the lady, she's like, oh, it's just those, you know, those regular mints. It was like peppermint or what? Like it was like just one of those little red and white ones. And I'm like, I ate like four of them. And then like by the time I'm going back to meet with, I say taxes or something. I can't remember, but I'm going back to meet. And they're like, in my head, I go, you're not eating. 
those mints aren't that good, actually. You just are so hungry. <laughs> but at some point, you are going to be very hungry for whatever it is that you use. Yeah. And if it's sitting on the counter, wherever you're at, there's a pretty good chance you're going to pick it up and not even not even maliciously. Yeah. I didn't intend to break my fast by eating peppermints. That's not how I would have done it. But it's like my body was craving something, and I'm standing there almost absentmindedly picking the thing up and unwrapping it and throwing it in my mouth. Didn't you one time, like, look up how many calories are in those mints? Oh, my gosh. Like... There's, like, 15 grams of carbs <laughs> in the ones. Not those, but the ones I was eating. And I was eating, like, 10 a day. It's 150 grams of carbs a day. I'm like, what in the world? Anyway, that that's kind of a side note. But I'm like, I think yeah. of this as, as just like that. I'm not going to have a bowl of candy sitting on my counter if i'm if cutting sugar out i'm trying to do better yeah. about candy i'm not gonna have a six pack of my favorite beer in the fridge out in the garage if i'm trying not to drink or... i want to say this because as you say that i know so many people who in that okay we're in the preparation phase about to head into action we did this actually yeah. where i'm like let's start our new healthy eating journey in two weeks so that we can eat through all the chips and bread we have and <laughs> i will know people who are like we're going to have one last bender this weekend to use up all the drugs or alcohol so that that is a terrible idea it is a horrible all, but... idea but i just want to say that happens too where even that is a I want to remove all access and it feels really irresponsible to throw it all the way. Yeah. Well, we're going to encourage you to throw it all the way. Yeah. I'm not trying to be, um, I don't know, jokey about it. Cause we're talking about mints or whatever, but I'm like, these things literally will like reach out and grab you. I mean the mint, I feel like I had yeah. mints in my mouth and I'd eaten two before I knew what I was doing. So let me ask you about some of the other addictive behaviors we talked about in episode two, but some that might be a little trickier. Yeah. What if I decide that I am a workaholic or I overexercise? Let's say workaholic. I can't stop going to work. No. Talk to me about what removing exposure or putting a safeguard in place would look like for some of the excessive behaviors for validation and comfort that aren't necessarily I'm trying to find sobriety yeah. from. Well, let me tell you, like workaholic's a tricky one for sure. It's the same with like, I think food in some ways, but it's like, you can't just stop. Yeah. That's not how it works, but you do have to say, okay, I have motivation to do something different. And again, I kind of frame it in the positive. And even knowing that it's a problem, a lot of times you get rewarded for it. So it's, it's not always seen as a problem. But if you start to say, I wanna change some of those habits, I think it's not that tricky to come up with some ways to put safeguards, like leave your phone in a basket when you come in the house, or I'm not going to answer email after this time, or I'll put a out of office on the weekends, or yeah. I mean, I can come up with lots of ways to do it. I mentioned that because I used to work in Los Angeles. I have a film degree and I worked for a famous producer and his wife had a rule. And we used to joke all the time about how really committed to the rule was yeah. and that was regardless of what film he was working on or what he was doing he had to leave the office by 5 30 so that he could be home by six yeah because he had a tendency to stay, stay till midnight till midnight <laughs> yeah. it's funny because on, there are times on a big set he would like come in at 4 a.m yeah but every single day without fail he would leave he's done it five. and if not he yeah. would have a conversation about what it looked like yeah. and build that in. And so that was something that it was a conversation they had in their relationship where she said, this is not sustainable this way. And he decided to make a shift. I love it. And I'm like, this is, um, man, I, I want to say it, it's hard for everybody. This is going to sound unfair. And I've heard lots of people say it, but it's like, if I'm an alcoholic, let, let's pretend that I am. 
and we say, I'm going to quit drinking. And, and probably for the first six months to a year, I'm going to, I don't like that I have to do this, but I'm going to have to ask my spouse to say, Hey, I know you drink and it's not a problem for you, but can we not keep it in the house for a while? And that, that feels to the alcoholic, like, oh, I'm putting this on my family. I don't want to do that. I've heard people literally say that. I don't know if it's an excuse or truth, but I've yeah. heard people say it. Um, and it may be rationalization or whatever you want to call that. But I'm like, literally at first, the tribe has to say, we're going to support you in whatever you need. And so it might mean that my wife doesn't get to drink her two sips out of a $17 glass of wine <laughs> at don't dinner. Call me out. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. But I'm like, <laughs> it might be that we don't. I really don't like <laughs> I'm alcohol. Just teasing. I know, I know, I'm totally joking. But I'm like, it might be that we don't drink. If, if alcohol isn't a big deal yeah. to you, my spouse, or to your spouse, let's not have it. I want to say, though, even if it is a big deal, yeah. isn't or is, doesn't matter. If you're the partner of someone who is trying to get sober, there is a really good chance you're going to have to adjust what you do also. I was working with a couple Every and time. the partner was trying to get sober and the other partner said, I'm not the one with the problem with alcohol. I should be able to still drink. And so the partner trying to sober up said, it is so unfair. Quite literally, I am trying not to drink and my partner will drink right in front of me because they don't have a problem and that is so tempting. And so this is going to be something that shifts for the family. Chad and I finally were able to adjust some of our food issues because we aligned on what are his needs and what are my needs and how do we remove exposure of those things? And yeah. so this is a conversation that's required. Again, that self-awareness of going, what are the easiest ways that I access the thing that is not yeah. great for me? And how can I start eliminating how easy my life has made that habit to respond to? Yeah, I think you just need to move it a couple steps away. Like I need to do two things to get to that thing versus mm. having it on the counter. If the bowl of M&Ms is sitting out, I'm going to eat them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how that works for we me. We like to go out to dinner. We've talked about this before on Thursday nights. We go and have Mexican food. And so we call it Mexican Thursdays. That's our, mm -hmm. you know, family's little thing. And when we were first starting this plan, as soon as we sit down, <laughs> here comes the guy with the chips and salsa. And Chad and I would like literally yell at him like, no, 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 don't leave. Like, you know, don't yeah. put them on the table. I think because he's still wondering why we're mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> because if they're sitting there, we are going to eat them. And that was one of the first things that we shifted was not devouring entire basket of chips at dinner yeah. was a big deal for us. We're like, we're doing this. It was some, action some step Some people are one. out there like, how do they devour a, a basket of chips? And other people are like, how do you only have one? Yeah. <laughs> That's me. How do you but not like, devour yeah, yeah. it? Anyway, this, these are just, again, I'm going to wrap us up here pretty quick, but these are just some really practical, tangible things that you need to put together to build the scaffolding of recovery. It is not a one piece. This doesn't stand on one leg. We're not saying putting barriers is the key to everything, but I would encourage you, if you don't have barriers, someday you'll accidentally step into it. You'll accidentally pick the men up and it'll take you down a path that you don't want to go down. So this is the first of five episodes where we're going to break these five steps down. And that leads us in this episode into our connect point. The Connect Point is designed to help you have a different conversation about how you experience your relationship. Small adjustments lead to big change over time. Take some time to practice with us now. So in this Connect Point, we want you to take a few minutes and identify something that you would like to put a barrier between you and it. So 
take a few minutes, ask yourself that, and then go and share that thing with your partner. Is there anything in my life that I would like it to be just a little bit harder for me to access? Yeah. And if I can identify that and then include my partner in it, then we're already moving the needle in the direction of a little more health. So now it's time to go and connect with your partner. Thanks so much for listening to us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, one of the best things you can do for us is to share it with another couple that you think could benefit from it. You can rate us and give us a review on your listening platform, and you can follow us on our Facebook page, The Real Emhoffs. If you want to support our nonprofit that makes resources available for couples, you can check out the Ways to Give tab on our website, therealemhoffs.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to message or email us with ideas you might like us to talk about or the ways that our ConnectPoint conversations are impacting your relationship. Thanks, Thanks again. again.